Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of the Rumors of Truth podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Rob Witham. You know Rob from the band Find China, The Fox Glove Hunt, as well as his latest band, Red Strat. Rob and I talk about his intro into music and all the records and bands he's played in over the past 20 plus years. Awesome conversation, as usual. Uh, really, really stoked on this episode. So I hope you enjoy this latest episode with Rob Witham. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for coming on my podcast. I, I really appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. You're welcome. So tell me what, what's going on in your life currently? What, what's going on in, in your world? Well, I, uh, I own a construction company, so I, a lot of my time is spent running that thing. Um, I do like, uh, I have a company, we do commercial residential construction, I've done it for many, many years, but uh, so I'm doing right now, that's got employees and getting jobs done and building stuff for people, so. Very cool, uh, very cool. Yeah, that's it. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about growing up for you. Um, musical influences, bands, records, kind of, let's, let's talk about, uh, how music kind of came into your life, uh, at a younger age. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a really like music kind of oriented home. Um, there's always like lots of music going on. My mom was a 
was a professional piano player and like taught piano in our home and um lots of like extended family everybody was kind of into music and played a lot of music so i just kind of grew up in it um it was just sort of expected like that's what you would do you know you'd play music so um yeah so i got they got me like got me going on a violin when i was like three um my grandfather my grandfather had been like a professional violinist and so i think it was kind of like the just yeah here you go you know the first grandson gets gets to continue on in the legacy or whatever so yeah they started me on that and like I did that for years and years, like when I was three to probably when I was like in high school. Um, wow. So yeah, I just was like immersed in just doing tons of music. and uh, But I really like got into it when I got a guitar when I was probably like 13 or 14. Like one Christmas, my mom bought me like a random guitar for Christmas and I like was just messing with it and kind of, it was like a whole different world from like classical, you know, playing classical violin. Sure. I was oh, I can like, kind of write music and I was kind of getting into music on my own like listening to the radio and like whatever was on the radio I was like figuring out how to play songs and like then it, I kind of got the bug at that point for like having an instrument I could like write songs on that's kind of when it grabbed me so very cool what's uh what were some of those records uh that really kind of um pushed you in that direction maybe um what were some of the ones that you gravitated to well like when I really when I first got into like rock and roll it was like you know, so what was what would that have been like early 90s, you know, so it was totally the grunge era. So, you know, I, everybody was listening to all that stuff. You know, Nirvana was huge, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, like all those guitar bands. Like that's when I started playing guitar. And so that's like what everybody, you know, me and my buddy who like both wanted to play guitar were just like into that stuff. Smashing Pumpkins, like that was yeah. around the time Sonic's Dream came out. I just was like obsessed with that record like loved it and was that was like the kind of guitar i was like trying to figure out it's like how to play like lee corgan and all that kind of trippy you know yeah. crazy kind of crazy ambient rock guitar so i was really into that stuff and then you know that was a that was a period of time where like if you were in the church there was like a really vibrant like christian music scene as well and so like my buddy and i you know were kind of into all these bands we're starting to get into uh, like sort of Christian bands that were doing the same stuff. And so we got into like Starflyer and like Tooth and Nail bands and Joy Electric, like in their early, early days. Yeah. And that's when we kind of got, got, I got really into it. And like, you know, it was like, that's what I want to do. Like I want to play in a band like that and kind of be part of you know, what was going on. That's awesome. Um, did you play in any bands uh, before Fine China or like uh, anything uh, that maybe in high school or, or after high school that you did? Nothing really officially, no. I mean, like... Like any kid who's like in high school or to play guitar, you kind of like jam with different people and stuff. Sure. No, I never, I never really was in a group until we started Fine China, which was like in 1996, probably like the year I graduated from high school. Is when I kind of like <laughs> that's when I graduated. <laughs> it's literally the only that's when you graduated. All right, there you yeah. go. So, yeah, so like, yeah, it's literally the only you know band I've ever really had was that band for for good or ill. It's it's been it my whole life. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about Fine China and, and the beginning of that band. You said 1996 is uh, approximately the year that you guys started. Uh, how did it come to? And, and um, maybe talk about the beginning of that band. Sure. Yeah, so I had, like, there was a couple of other members originally with me. So it was me. We had a guy playing some drums named Danny, and we had a girl on bass named Melissa. We were kind of like, I think Melissa, I went to church with, you know, she was like kind of part of our youth group or whatever. And then Danny was like her friend and he played drums. And so we just like 
you know, I wanted to like, I was writing songs and wanted to find some people to like play them with. And we just, it was just the classic thing. Like we would Danny's house, like, you know, load into his room on a Saturday and just like play songs. And I was just figuring out, you know, how to write music. And we played some like, you know, battle of the bands and that kind of stuff that was like always happening. I feel like in the nineties, that was like every high school, you know, always had like a battle of the bands and everybody wanted to do it. So we just kind of started doing that. We played, we played some shows. Um, that was just a really early iteration of Fine China. Pretty, you know, but I don't even remember what songs we were playing. It was kind of probably kind of like, probably like kind of surfy, like Weezer or the Rentals or something. That was kind of what I was into back in those days. So it probably sounded something like that, like a really poor version of the Rentals or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Uh, when did you start to feel like uh, you guys had some traction? Maybe starting to write some songs that um, you know you kind of were confident in. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Gosh, it's been so long. Um, yeah, like we, we had probably around the time that we like kind of met Jeff Cloud and some of the guys who were involved with Velvet Blue Music back in those days, like we, we were, Fine China was kind of still going. We had this, our bass player, Greg Markup, who's still in the band, had this idea of like, um, he was kind of entrepreneurial, you know, and he's like, if we, he's like, why don't I start booking shows in Phoenix, you know, with the bands that we like. And then he's like, and then I'll like book us to play with them. So we could kind of like, you know, get our feet wet, be playing with groups that we like and like meet some people. And so that was kind of how we really sort of got more serious about it. He started, there was Jeff, do you know Jeff Cloud with Velvet Blue? I, I don't know him, but we have yeah. a ton of mutual friends. Yeah. So. so back in those days, kind of the early days of his label, which was kind of like, I don't know, it was sort of like the indie version of sure. Tooth and Nail, you know. He had this thing where he would like, it was called the Blue Star Army. So he had like people in, in like every city that he would kind of work with to try to like promote shows for bands he was working with, which in those days would have been like Starflyer, Joy Electric, other other bands that were doing stuff with him. So my bass player, Greg Markov, was like kind of involved with that. And he would like bring out, you know, those bands and then we would kind of play shows with them. So that was probably in like 1997. And that's when we started to get some traction. Like we met some guys and just like kind of off to the races and doing some of the early recordings with cloud on double blue music and stuff so kind of it happened kind of within a year of starting you know were you guys i know you said you were kind of playing with the bands you was were you getting to open for any other like national acts or any any like secular i guess if you will not in the early days no like when we first started out we were really like we were just playing like in the christian scene i mean that was just kind of how yeah. we got started and there was a lot of shows all the time, like in Phoenix, like you could play, you know, there was tons of venues, churches, other kind of venues that were doing shows, like kind of in the Christian indie rock scene. So that was all we did in the early days, just because that's what we knew, you know, sure. like the only people we, were. we would play, sure. you know, bar shows once in a while, but it wasn't until later, you know, maybe after our second record on Tooth and Nail came out that we really started doing like more kind of regular tours at clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The early days was, like Christian rock for us. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I, I grew up in that world myself, so I definitely can relate to it. Um, you kind of uh, are headed towards where I was going next. Tooth and Nail, obviously, um, I, you know, between playing with the bands and getting to know a lot of the other artists, is, is that kind of how that uh, came came to fruition? Yeah. So we were, um, we were working on a full-length album, which would have been our first full length to come out on Velvet Blue Music. This is probably like 1998 now, maybe, or 99. Um, and Ronnie Martin from Joy Electric was producing it. 
and uh, we just kind of threw that session. That, that session wasn't going well. There were some things we weren't super happy with. And at that same time, Ronnie was doing, uh, he was running Plastic Music, yeah. which was a subsidiary of Tooth & Nail. And he kind of, he had the idea. He was like, what if we kind of tried to reboot this thing and see if Tooth & Nail would want to put it out and kind of get a little bit better budget to do a better recording. And so was, he kind of helped nudge that along. And we were like, we were excited about that because it would have, you know, just gave us a wider distribution and kind of like would have pushed us up a little bit. So that's kind of how it happened. So he, I guess he pitched it to whoever, you know, at Tooth & Nail, and they were excited about it. So it kind of came out. It wasn't just a plastic music. It was like a plastic music Tooth & Nail release, or the first kind of when the world sings. So that's kind of how that happened. He, it was kind of through Ronnie and just his work with Tooth & Nail at that time. Yeah. Um, but we kind of, we sort of felt bad about it because we loved Cloud and, you know, Velvet Blue was where we like sure. got our start. He'd just been like so faithful to us and stuff. But he he was just like super cool about it and you know, yeah. wanted us to succeed. So yeah, it worked out. Absolutely. Well, uh, you mentioned when the world sings. Let's let's talk about that record. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I remember hearing it when I first, you know, when you put it out. It was definitely like nothing you'd heard on Tooth and Nail before at the time. I feel like you know, um, super dancey, super poppy. Uh, let's talk about that record. Maybe yeah. your thoughts and memories from that time of the recording, and and, and let's go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a weird record to listen to, like in retrospect, because it was it was um, we were. Tr- it doesn't really sound like what our band sounded like at the time. We kind of wanted to to have a really dance pop kind of album, even though if you were to like heard us play live at that time, we didn't really super sound like that. We were kind of like, <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of like a weird concept album. And then also like the songs for it had been kind of hodgepodge together from a, a few years. And so all in all, like we, you know, it was a, it was a great experience for us as a young band. Cause we were like recording at a really cool studio. It's called the green room where all like, Oh yeah. Yeah. All the bands that we loved had recorded there, so we thought that was cool. And we, you know, for a young band um, who really did nobody knew about, it was a it was a lot offered to us in terms of like just resources and making a cool record. And um, yeah, I think we really we loved it. It was fun to make. Um, it was like just our first experience in like a real nice studio, you know, with like a little bit of a budget. And it felt, you know, when you're like, when everybody's like 20, that feels pretty cool. Yeah, like, I bet. I bet. That's awesome. You're like, this is like, we're just on the upstream. We've made, we've made it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I have good memories about it. Um, yeah, you know, just getting started, getting it put out on Tooth and Nail. You know, everything we kind of dreamed about was sort of happening. So we kind of felt like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> sure. How do you, yeah. uh, looking back on it, how do you feel about that record? And, and maybe what's your favorite song from that record? Yeah, I like it. I I feel like um, it's a weird record. There's like a lot of, there's just a lot of different sounds and the production is kind of inconsistent across it, but it's it's cool. Like it's it's really cool. I probably would say like, a song like Give Us Trouble on that record really was the most reflective of what we our band actually sounded like, you know, yeah. Yeah. at that time. Um, and that song, even in the few shows that we play today, like we'll often play that because it still kind of feels just like, yeah, this is what this is us, you know, this is kind of what we sound like. That's awesome. Um, yeah, those, the, the, those kind of songs, you know, probably the more just like band songs on there are the ones like if I were to listen to, I probably wouldn't cringe as much. <laughs> I think a lot of the songs are really good. It was just, yeah, the production. No, I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. It's your first for, foray, you know, if you will, and, and, you know, you mature as a band as you go. Um, Touring-wise, what did you do uh, after the record came out? And, um, you know, you obviously hit the road running pretty quickly. 
Yeah, we didn't we didn't do as much touring as other groups. Um, you know, on two things, two things really wanted their bands to tour a lot. Well, obviously, you know that was sure they they pushed that. The problem for us was that, um, you know, I had gotten married really young, so I had like you know a family and like had to pay bills and like I couldn't just be gone making zero money for like six months out of the year. Yeah. Um, so we were, and I had just decided, you know, we, I wasn't going to be gone a ton. So we had really limited parameters we had created for tour. We would do like, you know, a week here, a week there, a lot of weekend gigs as much as we could, but we really didn't like tour, you know, like we could have, you know, uh, sure. for a lot of different reasons. Um, but we did a lot of tours, you know, in that the community of bands we were a part of, we toured a lot with Starflyer, a ton with Joy Electric. I mean, the, us three bands just did a ton of little stints together during that time period. Yeah, um, we did. We'd go over to Cal, you know, Southern California. Always had Christian rock shows happening every week, so we would do a lot of like drive out on Friday night, play a show, drive back on Saturday to Phoenix, kind of thing. We just that's did that cool. over, over again. I bet. I bet that's awesome. Really cool. Um, so after uh, when the world sings comes out, how long after that you start working on the second record? Um, you make me hate music, which. I want to be honest with right. you. That is the greatest title for a record. Uh, I absolutely think it's beyond brilliant. Like I love it. Oh. it and I love the record Thanks. in general. But Thanks, man. Yeah, we started working on that, I think, in like 2002. So, um, you know, a couple of years after When the World Sings came out. Um, I think I probably started to work on the songs pretty soon after When the World Sings. Um, and just, you know, it just takes time to figure out what you're going to do next. Tooth and Nail, you know, was kind of excited about the band just because we got, when the world seems weirdly, like it didn't hardly sell any copies, but it did get kind of a lot of press with the outlets that they, that Tooth and yeah. Nail kind of liked. So they were, they were sort of like, hey, we have this weird kind of cool band that we like. Um, so yeah, they were excited to do the second one. Um, I'm just trying to remember. I think there was like an, op there was an offer to go. Tooth and Nail was running a studio up in Seattle at the time. What was it called? The Compound or something? Compound, yeah. I think Eric, yeah. Eric, they kind of wanted us to go up there and do it with him. We had, you know, Jason Martin from Starfire, who's my buddy, like he, he, he and I had talked about just doing it with him kind of at his house, like just to kind of keep it, you know, in the family and kind of yeah. for low key. And he was, he was producing a lot of ads at the time. So that's what we ended up deciding to do, just to kind of like, keep it a little a little more on the DL and it just sounded more fun to be honest. So yeah, we ended up doing it. Um he had like a little garage under his condo at the time where he did recording and had a had a little studio. So we did the whole record down there with him. And uh we were just trying to do we were trying to do what we sort of wish we had done with when the world sings, which is make it sound like the band. So we, yeah. it's a very it very much sounds exactly like what we sounded like when we played live. We wanted just to sound like a rock band from the early eighties or something, you know, like the rental or the, the replacements or something like that. Yeah. That's like what we were trying to do. So it's very, it's pretty lo-fi. The record, it's a pretty lo-fi record. Like it doesn't sound great, but it, it sounds exactly how we wanted it to. It's kind of got like a weird grittiness to it that we, that we yeah. dig. I think it's fantastic. I, 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 I definitely think it's a departure obviously from the first record, but I love everything about it. Like I said, I, I, I may, I've never actually asked this on a, on the podcast, but what was the influence of that title of the record? I mean, I just like I'm like floored by it. I know it sounds goofy, but I really love. I show everyone that's the record because I just think it's it it hit me at a, a certain time, and I just always I didn't know if it was just sarcasm or like what it. I just was curious. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, probably. 
So we would like play Cornerstone every year back in those days. Um, I think we played Cornerstone. You know, Cornerstone music was like the big yeah. Christian music yeah. festival. Yeah. Um, I think we played in like 1999 and we played it in 2000, 2001, 2002. I think we played it four years in a row. And I always hated going to that thing. Like I, I just, I just literally could not stand anything about it. It was just like miserable. And we had, you know, we had kind of a reactionary thing going on with our band, which is really when you're a young kind of punky band like we are. It's, it's usually more born out of your own arrogance and overestimation of how cool you are, which it probably was for us. But we just. We would leave, I would leave those festivals and just be like, dude, I hate this. Like, I hate everything about this. I hate all of these bands. Like, this is just, like, awful. And so it was kind of that. Those are, honestly, like, I would trace it back to a couple of Cornerstone experiences of just being like, I don't like any of this. I don't know what <laughs> these bands are doing. And uh, I just want to do the literal opposite of that. And uh, that was, yeah, that's probably where it came out of. Yeah, I figured as much. And I think if you get it, you get it. And you don't, you don't. It's kind of one of those things. So I just, uh, I've always just, been fond of it for sure it's kind of like it was kind of questioning just the legitimacy of our own art you know like what are we really doing here why is yeah you know you're like totally. it's really not that it's really not that important so <laughs> um so what's your favorite song from from that record wow uh let me think about that um probably i think probably forget the experts is probably my favorite oh, one on there right. i think it's like yeah. A little later in the record. Yeah, I always really liked that one. Um, just was kind of, yeah, it's the same kind of song that I've been writing for 20-some years. It's just kind of like one of those jokes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was like. Very cool. Um, tour, did you do still the spot date still after that touring-wise? Maybe just, uh, you know, when bands come through or maybe like the L.A. trip and whatnot? Yeah, we did a lot of that. We did, we did some more like week-long things kind of, you know, I think – we would tour like to and from Cornerstone, so we'd always take a couple weeks and go like yeah. play shows on the way or on the way back. Did some East Coast stuff. It's probably the most we ever played was like around that time. We had a little bit bigger band, so we had another a guy playing live guitars for us that we brought on. So we had uh, we were actually like a five piece for a bit. So yeah, we played a lot of shows. I mean, more shows than we ever had in that era. Yeah. All around, I don't know. We had like a booking company for a while that, that was like tooth and nail hooked us up, but that was really pressing to like get us some better gigs and so yeah we were playing a lot for for that period of time yeah was the tooth and nail i know you said they were kind of stoked on on the press from the first record how did they feel about the second record well i did they, they um i mean i think they liked the record a lot when it came out um it was a, that was like a little bit of a strange time period where tooth and nail like in like 2003 and 2004 kind of purged a bunch of groups so I think it was probably the same time frame where they their catalog or a lot of their they got bought out by yeah. by EMI, and so part of that like Tooth and Nail had like their big sellers like their A list kind of bands and they had a lot of weird kind of funky bands like us that they liked that but that were not selling records like at all. Pretty much all of us got wiped out during that time. Yeah, they were just kind of like changing gears and really focusing on the ones that were like making money, which I don't. Yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, well, and, that, and that's kind of what was my next question, leaving Tooth and Nail. I mean, obviously, um, you know, they were probably it was probably a good thing for you, and then at the same time, I'm sure that kind of was a, a, a bummer at the, at the same time. But um, is that kind of – did you begin to look into Common Wall Media? Is that something you did, correct? Com yeah, so the – yeah, after – I don't really exactly remember, like, after we got off Tooth and Nail – 
we weren't like we saw it coming it wasn't like oh gosh yeah we we sort of i think assumed we would just kind of disband at that point but i just kept writing songs and like i had a real i had a good friend in phoenix at the time uh, who was running this label common wall um and like had a good amount of money behind it and was like doing he was doing it right like he just had a few bands but he was like really putting the right kind of money into publicity and like getting some good placements and stuff like yeah. that we just he was really like excited to want to work with us um so yeah i think what was that like 2005 so another couple of years went by but we had a bunch i had a bunch of songs ready to go and um that was like our best kind of label experience to be honest just because it was so small but there was a lot of resources involved so we did a really nice like month-long session at a nice studio that's awesome that's right yeah there was a lot of attention kind of put into what we were doing and yeah it was cool um it was fun sweet well let's talk about the jaws of life record um you know obviously you probably it sounds like you had a lot more time to work on it um looking back let's let's talk about that record and your thoughts on it and uh, maybe some um memories from that yeah so yeah so the jaws of life was like the first album that we did where we didn't have like a produce like somebody else kind of producing it was self-produced kind of by me and the band um which was cool we had never really done that before um so it was like a little more like wide open and we had a lot of time we weren't like crunched at all so uh, we were at a little studio it's a guy that i've worked have continued to work with named bob hogue he has a studio called flying oh yeah. yeah yeah so um it was the first time we worked with him and uh yeah we just totally like gelled really well he's local you know so we would just be able to go home at night and it was just like a very nice it was a nice situation to be like at home being able to do a record um yeah there was like it just felt like creatively it was the it was our best experience in the studio because we were able to really like you know do we want to record yeah. stuff yeah how we wanted to um and kind of be you know involved with getting trying to get the end product that we wanted as the band um so yeah i don't i'm trying to think of other memories um it's been so long i don't, I don't, <laughs> have, I don't have a lot of memories about it <laughs> what's your favorite song from that record um, let me think about that for a minute. Um, I probably like The Cells Divide is maybe one of my favorite yeah. ones on. A great Again, one. that's like the few shows that we play, we always pull that guy out. I like that one. Um, yeah, I like a lot of the songs on that record. It's a, it's very guitar, you know, guitar forward kind of album with lots of different guitars and different sounds. And yeah, we have a good time making that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that record comes out. You're probably playing the the typical spot date shows, going, you know, doing whatnot. Is this family life starting to creep in more, where where you're not as able to play live as much? Yeah, they, so we didn't do much touring at all during that time. We did like a lot of California stuff, but we played a lot locally in Phoenix at that time. We were that was probably the time period where there was the most attention to us like from the local scene in phoenix because there was kind of a lot of stuff going on at that time so yeah we played a lot of we tried to be really consistent and play like at least like once or twice a month somewhere in town yeah so that was a little bit um yeah i think i think at the time that we made the jaws of life i think i had two kids i have six kids now oh, uh, i had two of the six then yeah so if everything is busy you know yeah just like, i bet uh you know work was busy it was um you know everything was just getting to be more so then so when the after that record was kind of done that was when we sort of like put the thing to bed we had to, we played one show it was like a uh phoenix has this mad this like newspaper called the phoenix new times it's kind of like the 
the indie newspaper and they do a music festival every year. So we had gotten invited to play that, I think in like 05 or 06. And after that show, we were just kind of like, yeah, I think we're done. It was just a weird moment, like very just like nonchalant, just like, okay, this is it. <laughs> so we just kind of literally like closed it up and like didn't do anything else for like 13 years after that. Yeah. So yeah. It's kind of like, you know, ended. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, we'll talk about the the later records. Um, but I just kind of wanted to uh, talk about uh, your time with the Foxglove Hunt and maybe the two records you put out, uh, "Stop Heartbeat" and "Built My Fortress." Right. Like, um, obviously, you know, your past, um, you know, being able to work with these musicians. Like, just let's talk about how that kind of came together. That was really Foxglove was just what I kind of changed my energies towards after Fine China disbanded in like 2006. So. I mean, I, I still wanted to write songs. I mean, I still wanted to keep doing something. And um, I think what happened was I was playing, like, drums for Ron. He occasionally enjoy electric. Like, he, we would do, like, a lot of fly-out. Oh, yeah. You know? And so I was kind of doing that with him on and off at the time. And that's where we kind of hatched the idea for Fox Love Hunt was, like, probably on some drive somewhere. Yeah. It was, it was basically, like, let's make, let's, do, let's make this a project that, is easy for both of us, like where we each get to do the thing we want to do. So for Ronnie, that was like, he wanted to not have to worry about writing the songs, but just do the production. Like I'll just, you know, you give me, Ronnie is basically like, you give me demos of songs and I'll make them, you know, I'll do the production and the keyboards and synthesizers. And then you do the, you put the vocals on. So we're each kind of doing a very distinct part of it that we both liked and was easy for us. So that was kind of the idea behind it. Um, and the same label, Commonwealth, that put out the last Fine China. Yeah. I was really excited to put it out, and so that that made that easy. We already had a label that wanted to do it, and but that came together super fast. Like we just had a bunch of songs all right away, and like recorded it and came out, and then then really like as we were playing with Joy Electric, I was still doing a lot of like little flyout weekends. We would just like switch, and I and then we would do like Fox Love. <laughs> so like he like Fox Love would play. He like rock. On drums, I'm seeing him playing guitar, and then like Joy Electric would come, and we would just like flip flop, which is <laughs> people probably felt, people probably felt kind of gypped by that, but that we did that a lot for That's a funny. time period. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Looking back on those two uh, yeah. two records, what uh, what are your thoughts on them, and and you know maybe some um, memories from that? Mm -hmm. Those were yeah, I really I honestly have not listened to those things in a long time. Like, I probably should go back and listen to them. I really liked them. I was really I felt like. The songs were exactly what I wanted. I was really happy at the time with like where I was at kind of songwriting wise. Like they were very, very tightly written kind of crafted songs that were short and sweet. And like, I really, part of our idea on that record was like that every song, it was like, it was like if you got a greatest hits of the Pet Shop Boys or something. <laughs> like, it, Love cool. like we wanted to have it be sort of like that, but it was obviously, you know, not as great as the Pet Shop Boys, but where it was like no filler it was like every song could be like a single so yeah yeah i, I thought it was it was really great I, I think it has like a real sound to it that's cool and yeah i really like that record build my fortress was kind of like not really a full record so what that yeah. was there was this japanese label that wanted to put out um, stop heartbeat but they also wanted to have some like exclusive content so we recorded like couple extra songs so there's like two brand new songs on build my fortress and then as part of that we just like did some other random versions of songs we already had to make it kind of an ep for like the u.s market yeah so yeah. 
So that's what it was. I know. I know you mentioned Common Wall was on board. Was there any other labels at the time interested? Was it like Velvet Blue or Tooth and Nail or anything like that? No, we never really talked to those guys. We have a weird little like has happened so often in music. You know, you'll have a little something. You'll have somebody interested that you get all excited about, and then usually ends up amounting to nothing, and you kind of get used to that. But yeah, we had some random guy. I haven't thought about this for a long time. Some random guy was from like from Sony Records, some like subsidiary of Sony out of Brooklyn was like really stoked on it. And we had a bunch of meetings with him and like thought, we almost kind of thought the record was going to get bought. It was kind of, it was that time period, like when these kind of electro bands, like the Killers and like yeah. some other groups, really like, it was really the thing. And I think this guy thought this album could kind of be part of that like retro revival kind of thing. And then the guy, it just like, it, it just ended up not amounting to anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just so many bands, but. Yeah, so we had a little bit of interest there, but it was really just us continuing to do, you know, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, time goes by, and you start to get the itch um, maybe to do a new uh, Fine China record. Maybe talk about how you guys decided to come back, and let's talk about Not Thrilled, which I is my favorite record of 2018. It is an absolutely brilliant masterpiece in my mind. Um, not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I think it's an incredible Thank record. And, um, yeah, man, let's, let's talk about you getting back together and, and start to talk about the record. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I think I'm trying to think what the impetus was for, I had, we had moved into a new house cause we had a lot of kids by that point. We needed a bigger house. We bought a house that actually had like room for me to have a studio. We had many years we lived in this really tiny historic home. We were just like shoved in there and like, if I was going to do anything, you know, songwriting-wise, I'd have to, like, be at the kitchen table. And this was not conducive. So we had this new house, and I finally had a spot to, like, have a studio, which is actually where I'm at right now. It's like our, yeah. it's like a guest house in the back. And so I was like, all right, I'll just kind of set this up. Like, I've got a space now, you know. It's like, cool. And then I just started to, like, write stuff again. I got, like, you know, a little studio set up going. And that's just kind of – it wasn't me, tr you know, even thinking about doing another Fine China. It was just purely just starting to write and record stuff again. And songs started happening, and I was, like, just compiling the bits and pieces. And then at some point, it dawned on me that, like, I actually had a record potentially to put out. And I had still been in touch with the other guys in the band, um, you know, over the years and stuff. And they were pretty excited. I didn't know if they would be. It had been so long, but they were pretty excited to be a part of it. And it just kind of, like, happened um, just the right time. Yeah. Did you uh, did you hit up Jeff Cloud, obviously, uh, for Velvet Blue to get involved? I did, yeah. I really actually wanted him as I started to think about, you know, actually I have, I actually had a bunch of really nice demos at one point, and I was like, oh, I'm going to send this to Cloud and see if he would like to put it out. I thought that would be, for me, the ideal, just because it's where we started, and yeah, you know, Cloud had always been such a good friend to the band, and I, it seemed very uh, low stakes, but safe and comfortable and like enjoyable, which is the phase of life I was in music, you know, later in life, just wanting it to be not stressful whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, he was right off the bat, like really excited about it. And so that, that kind of gave us a goal to work for it in terms of finishing it. Once we knew, okay, this is actually going to come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I had to kind of scramble and like, you know, get it, actually get it done. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it happened. Um, so let's talk about, uh, how you think about feel about the record, I guess I should say. Um, and it, it sounds like it's more um, self-deprecating, not thrilled. I'm not, but as you know, the 
it just sounds like you're on on to the next record um same mindset let's talk about the record and i love it like i said it's so good and what, what are your favorite songs on that that yeah thank you um yeah i was um you know t- time period like of that album was my dad had just had just passed away like mm, i'm sorry in the in the like what was it winter of 2015 and i had kind of just started to write it well, everything that goes along with that kind of changes your life you know when you lose a parent uh, yeah just yeah things get things get weird and it loosens up stuff and makes you think about a lot of different things so i think for me part of it was just like uh, do that like man, get if i want to do some music i better get on it because you don't know if you're just gonna like come home and die one day literally it was kind of like that for me like i need to get on this um you know so um yeah, and I think production-wise, like having my own studio and just having like tons of time now where I could just like be working and working and working, that was really freeing for me. You know, I didn't have to like take off work like I had to in the past yeah. this month. It was like, okay, I can take a long time and really like build this thing. So I think that served the album pretty well, being able to do that. Like it's more like layered and, and well-produced than anything else we had done before just because I had so much time to kind of go back through it and like, you know, just take time. Like the right, it's like anything that you make creatively. I think time is your friend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had lots of time to go through it. Um, and yeah, I was just in a good spot. You know, I I had had a lot of ideas over a lot of years of stuff that I hadn't been able to use, and then kind of got to like put and put everything in there. Um, and I was just in the right mindset. And yeah, I'm, I'm a melancholy person, so my music's always going to have that kind of like sadness. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Probably, you know, just stuff going on in my life with, with our family and my dad. And like, it just kind of it made for a kind of a moment, you know, a record that was kind of sad, but the right kind of, right yeah. you know. How do you feel about it looking back? Um, you know, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I, it's, I'm in terms of all the records we put out, it's right the most, it's one I'm the most happy with. Like, it, yeah. yeah every part of it came out pretty much how I wanted it to. And like, it just, it came together really well in my opinion. And I, people, I had no idea, you know, if anybody was going to like it or whatever. And that really wasn't even what our focus was at all. It was nice to know it was going to come out, but I was more freed than I had been in the past from really like caring about expect, people's expectations. Yeah, about absolutely. It, which is what, nice. was, what was the reception like for it? Um, I, I, I remember when I first started that, you know, I was floored, but it's like, where, how was the press with it? Like, how was that, I guess? Yeah, we, we didn't get, like, a ton of press. I think, like, N- NPR, the, um, this guy, Lars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was really nice and did, like, a like a new music thing on it. Um, that kind of kicked off the release, so that was cool. He was kind of, I guess, some kind of fan from back in the day, kind of understood the history yeah. of the and stuff. So, yeah, there was, like, there was a lot of that kind of stuff that was cool, and, and uh, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, every everybody that that got a copy of it, you know, we got a lot of like really nice emails and like letters and texts, and yeah, people seem to really like enjoy it a lot. So that was fun. Um, what's your favorite song from that record? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I really like uh, I really like the song "Mindful" on there. Oh yeah, that's great. I haven't heard a lot of feedback from people on that one. It's kind of a slow jam, but yeah, I really. That one, uh, I really dig that one. That's awesome. So have you got to play any shows, uh, obviously, since you put this record out, you know, on occasion, um, maybe a Phoenix show, L.A. show type deal? Yes. So we, 
kind of what got sort sort of like rewinding a little bit. What kind of got the band back together prior to Not Thrilled was um, which I forgot to mention was that we did a, a ten year a ten year reunion show for the release of Jaws of Life in 2015. Okay. So that was kind of like the band had gotten back together just for that one show. We did was. It was a great show. Phoenix, like a big sold out thing because they were re-releasing Jaws of Life on vinyl for 10 years. Um, so that actually, the band kind of got together and I had already started to sort of write songs. And I think that was uh, that was part of the equation of like getting back together for Not Thrilled was that. Um, where was I going with that? What, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just asking, you know, I forgot. <laughs> no, I was basically just asking. Um, what your favorite song? Sorry, what your favorite song? Oh, no, we talked about that. What was it though? Reception. Oh, oh you said you went back. Uh, that's that brought you guys back together. Was playing that show. Oh, so you talked about shows. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So we had done that, um, and then we done that one show, and then I think when Not Thrilled came out, we did like a release show, and then shortly after that. I had a friend who was like a mutual friend with David Shelzel from this band, The Ocean Blue. You know, the oh, Ocean yeah, Blue. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were like, they were like one of our favorite bands, like late '80s, early '90s. They were sort of like the American version of all the British like melodic pop bands that we liked. Um, yeah. They they had pretty, they had been pretty big in America like in those days. So they were like starting to play again. They had a new record, and my or my mutual friend connected us, and they were at Dave Shelzel from Ocean Blue was asking if I could help connecting with the show in Phoenix. And through that, we ended up playing that show with them and kind of hit it off really good with their band. So we we did some little like mini touring with them around. That's um, cool. most, I think almost every show we've played in the last three years has been with them. That's cool. Most, mostly just because it's always a really good show because the shows are always sold out and like really fun. Because when you're old, it's not, it's not really fun to play crummy shows. <laughs> it's like people. Dude, why, I totally why, get it. It's like why I do it. So we have one show this year, and it's in November, and it's with them in Phoenix. Oh, awesome! Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Trees at Night uh, single. I absolutely love that song as well. Um, yeah. Let's. Why did you decide to just do the one? And is there any future music uh, in 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 the future, possibly? Yeah. Trees at Night. Um, was just kind of the next, you know, the next step. I had I had a couple songs, and one of the Cloud and I had been talking about doing like a like a single basically of some kind um and like like on vinyl but like an old school kind of like full 12 inch so so we had actually released trees at night like before COVID, right before covid broke we released i thought so i thought that one song like digitally and then during covid uh i ended up kind of having a little bit bigger idea for it and well we were always going to release it as a 12 inch single but i think Anyway, when COVID happened, it kind of got backburned. But anyway, um, we ended up, I had a couple of other super random, like, instrumental songs. Like, I had been working on this yeah, whole other yeah. idea, these kind of, like, new agey, like, journey to the whatever kind of journey jams. Um, not journey the band, like a journey. You know? <laughs> um, so we really, yeah, so that was kind of the idea for the Trees of Night. It was like, you've got side A that's, like, Fine China song, you know. And then you've got the second track that's like this weird nature sound thing. And then side B was going to be this super long, you know, 15 minute jam that just takes you like somewhere. So, yeah, I, I was pretty stoked just because it was weird and like it just was fun. It just was real, really fun, different kind of composition yeah. to work on for me. So, yeah, so we did that and I love that. And I, I had a bunch of other 
compositions that I was working on at that same time, like instrumental stuff, like using a kind of a really specific sound palette. Um, and so we actually have an EP that's done. It's more like a mini album. It's like 40 minutes long. So it's kind of like an actual album, but it's like, uh, we're just, we're just in test pressing phase right now. So we'll get our, hopefully get our test presses for the vinyl back in another week or two. And oh, it's awesome. probably, yeah, it's called eyes in the water. It'll probably come out sometime this fall, just depending on the timeline for the vinyl. So it's got like, it's got like three super long random instrumentals and it's got three like real fine China songs as well. And it's all, it's kind of a concept thing the way it's all put together. So. That's exciting. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. That's so awesome. that's, that's in the works. Come on. Very ladies. cool. Very cool. Um, I know you said you have that show in November. Any you know, other stuff on the horizon possibly next year at all or? No, no shows. No, no shows. Shows are really, shows are hard to get ready for and like a lot of work. So we, we don't have a lot of margin to, to prep no, for I those get it. things. I Maybe get we'll it. do one here. Who knows? <laughs> well, let's talk about Red Strat. Um, awesome. I, I uh, somehow got to hear the record, a friend of, a friend of a friend, I'll say. Uh, okay. Love it. It's fantastic. Nice. Let's talk about how that came together, and then let's talk about that record, and then what's the future for that record? Yeah, Red Strat is, um, so it's me and Jason Martin from Starflyer, kind of the, we were kind of the, like, spearhead guys in the band, kind of wrote most of the, the music, and uh, kind of, like, got it going, and then we've got Jason's son, Charlie, plays drums, Steve Dale, who plays bass for Jason and Starfire's bass band, and Tim Tabor, who is the, the old, old prayer right. chain singer. Oh, yeah. Singer. Yeah, so, so Jason is, you know, all those guys live right around, you know, Jason and L.A. and or Huntington Beach area, so, he, you know, he's kind of, he's who got Tim Tabor involved with it. I think we kind of hatched the idea for it at, like, a Barrett-Jackson car auction or something. Jason, Jason and I are kind of into, like, old trucks and stuff, and we were at, like, we went to the this car auction and scottsdale like a few years ago we just he kind of we just were talking and like he and i both have a real love for just like really crummy like salman brothers like beer rock you know yeah. like we just kind of bluesy guitar stuff like we both don't do that a lot in our normal bands but kind of love that stuff and so we were just like it'd just be really fun to have a band that we didn't really care about, but that was just super fun. And you could play like some lead guitar and it's just like, you know, it's like what you would do with your buddies, like, you know, on Saturday in the garage. Yeah. Or whatever. So that was kind of the, the concept, just something super fun, super simple. Um, we just, we had um, kind of demos batting back and forth for a while. And then we just, we did a couple different recording sessions um, and recorded everything. And then we mixed the record out here at Flying Blanket. So it's been done for quite some time. Um, I think what's going to happen with it is it's going to be a very limited physical media only release on vinyl and cassette only. Okay. So we want to make it as hard as possible for people to hear to hear this thing. <laughs> um, so I think that's what's going to happen. We have some we have that kind of in the works. Um, yeah, we just we just wanted something different. I don't know. Didn't yeah. get to be old. It's just like, it's something that's not the normal like avenues of distribution. Sounded like kind of fun. So we did a couple shows last year that were both really fun. We did one in L.A., and we did a Phoenix show at a at a bar out here that I'm a partner, and they were both really, really great and fun. Yeah. That's the whole idea of the band is just that it's, like, just fun, you know? That's really rad. I, I Like I said, I think the record's fantastic. It's it's super gnarly, and that's what I like about it. 
<laughs> awesome. Um, so you said it was coming out limited. Is it, uh, is it just you going to do it yourselves, obviously? or We have a little bit. We have a label that I've worked with at Phoenix um, that's like a vinyl kind of label, and I think okay. they're going to be the one that put it out, yeah. Very yeah, cool. that's the plan, at least. We're in the kind of early stages on that, but I think that's what it's looking like if I come out that's that exciting. way. That's exciting. That's yeah. exciting. Well, that's cool. That sounds like you've got your finger in a lot of different musical avenues. And, and uh, anything else maybe on the horizon musically for you, or do you think that's enough? Yeah, I mean, we'll probably end up doing another, hopefully, Lord willing, another Fine China actual, like, full length, probably, probably next year. I have a I'm probably like two thirds of the way done with another, like a whole other actual, like full record. So hopefully maybe next, maybe sometime next year that will get finished up and, and get released for LP five. So we'll see. Looking back on your career, um, what, what are you most proud of? What's the record that you're most proud of and maybe the song you're most proud of? Mm. Well, I probably, I, in ter- yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that means to be proud of. I guess not thrilled. I'm probably the most just happy with, you know, the end yeah. product. It just, yeah, it's, uh, it was what I wanted to have happen. And it, and it happened pretty close to that, which doesn't always happen with records. Sure. Actually. Um, yeah, I really, I liked, I liked being able to really, uh, you know, kind of fully direct that thing on my own. That was nice. Um, so yeah, I, I like that one. I don't know. Yeah. It's always a mixed bag. Every, every record has, stuff that you that kind of came out more like you wanted and then stuff that didn't quite you know come out how you wanted but that's just part of it you just i'm a, I'm a guy that wants to get stuff done and get it out there and move on no, to the I next get thing so for me it's about like finishing it up what if we're good or ill like get the songs done record them release them and then get your next and then anything you weren't happy with like try to deal with it on the next one <laughs> <laughs> i get it i get it rob thank you so much for your time and this has been awesome um I had a lot of questions for you in the past and really stoked to got a chance to ask you. Um, I'm really excited for the new record. And, man, I, I just really appreciate your time and, and I, I wish wish you luck in, in the future. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, hopefully we'll talk soon. All right, man. Thank you. All right, All right buddy. Thank you to the listener for tuning in to this latest episode. Really appreciate the support. Add me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like at the Rivers Truth Cast. Uh, like and subscribe if you like. You know the drill. Uh, thank you so much to Rob with him for his time. Amazing conversation. It was so cool to talk to um, someone that's influenced me. Those Fine China records are, are incredible uh, and everything else he's done as well. So I really hope you enjoyed this latest episode. Uh, got some amazing artists on the horizon in in different capacities. So thank you again for tuning in. And man, nostalgia, it's a heck of a drug.